This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Luke DeCock from the News and Observer joins us every Friday, and I know North Carolina's got their basketball media day today. Uh, so, Luke, how many questions will be asked about Tez Walker? You know, my guess is <laughs> not a ton. Um, not as many as maybe a week ago. But I, I think the, the over-under we should game we should play is how many questions are about this year and how many questions are about last year? Ooh, Yes, I think there we'll get a lot of questions about last year. Uh, I did see that Armando Baycott, uh, like, quote tweeted something about Caleb Love, uh, always, uh, always family. That's that's what's going to be the overriding discussion point. If UNC's offense uh, looks better and they just have a better season, it's going to be attributed to addition by subtraction, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of that going on uh, everywhere. But um, I mean, I, th- I think what this, what the Tarot needed and more than anything was just a fresh start. I mean, the baggage built up so quickly last year, they were never able to get out from under it, I mean, regardless of who's here and who isn't. And I think the, the beneficial thing for North Carolina is just going to be being zero and zero. Um, that's just not a chance they gave themselves last year because they embraced all those expectations. And then when the water got too deep, they couldn't swim. So, um, I mean, I think hitting the reset button is 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 the way to go. You know, it's funny. I, I mean, I want to I want to get to uh, Tez and the Hurricanes while we have Luke Takak here. But it's when I, when I go back and think about the way I approached last season, I didn't think I didn't look at them and see the number one team in the country. But I thought I saw a good team, right? I didn't see uh, the team that was that this close to winning the title. I saw a team that, okay, I know they got hot, but I also think they're good. Um, But, boy, it just unraveled so quickly. Um, It was as big a test for Hubert Davis as maybe any he's going to have. Yeah, I I mean, I think year one was a big test, too, the way that team rallied late um, and created sort of the impression that, that last year's team was capable of doing the same thing. It's funny. You know, we talked about last year and this year, and we're spending most of this time talking about last year. It's just, it's so hard. <laughs> See? Take the, take the over. <laughs> it's so hard to escape from. It really is, because it was such a, uh, you know, I had I, I, people overuse the word epic, but it really had that sort of epic poem drama of pathos and, and tragedy, not, not like real tragedy, basketball tragedy. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just going to be very difficult to get out from under that. I think, I think no matter how thin you slice it, that shadow is going to hang over this team. Um, and maybe look, if RJ Davis and Armando Baycott had left, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, but those guys and the other guys who returned sort of opened the window to say, you know, which one of these was the real UNC, the, the UNC of March, 2022 or the UNC of all of 22, 23. And obviously there's a big, big departure there. And people love to blame Caleb Love for just about everything. Um, in fact, I'm surprised someone hasn't written that Caleb Love is the reason Tez Walker's appeal took so long. <laughs> that's just sort of the way it seems to go with Caleb Love. But, um, you know, he, he certainly did bear his share of the blame as well. Perhaps not as much as was sometimes apportioned to him. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see if the offense comes out and functions really well with one fewer shooter. Um, and, and and that was always sort of my, my question about UNC was to just – 
even two years ago, there were just too many guys who needed the ball in their hands. Mm -hmm. There were too many sort of ball-dominant players. So now maybe you've got one fewer, even two fewer players like that. You know, can you um, get to a more fluid offense? And, you know, as Roy used to like to say, everything looks better when the ball goes in the bucket. (laughs) I feel like that would also help their defense if they're not just – you know, struggling mightily at offense. Sydney Lowe, you got to make shots. All right, let's. Uh, your your thoughts, your thoughts on the circus that became. Hey, Tez Walker's eligible. That should have been it. Let's just keep it moving. Uh, yeah. But your thoughts on the circus? Yeah, I mean, I, you want to tell the NCAA the same thing I tell coaches all the time. Just you got to learn to take an L, buddy. Sometimes you just you lost. You just say it and you move on. You don't need to make excuses. You don't need to point fingers. You don't need to, you know, I'm not going to single anyone out here, but you don't need to say that Clemson had a laptop on the sideline. You just need to take the L and move on. And the NCAA refused to do it. Um, it just, there's a line in Get Shorty where John Travolta turns to Gene Hackman and says, Harry, are you trying to tell me you screwed up without sounding stupid? Because that's tough to do. And that's exactly <laughs> what the NCAA was trying to do. They were trying to admit they screwed up without sounding stupid. The idea that it, UNC's behavior, uh, quote-unquote, uh, was, quote-unquote, inappropriate. Tez Walker isn't eligible if UNC doesn't mount that campaign, um, that PR campaign. Tez Walker isn't eligible if UNC doesn't threaten to go outside the process and bring in outside lawyers, which they were obviously prepared to do, and imminently so. So I just, I, I've said all along, you and I have had this conversation, the NCA was sacrificing Tez Walker on the altar of, amateurism, if you if we could even still call it that, it was to make the point, the cruelty was always the point, to make the point that the NCAA is in charge and athletes like Tez Walker are going to have to do what the NCAA says, whether they like it or not. And, you know, in the end, the pressure mounted to the point, not to mention the NCAA's own boneheaded decisions to let guys with weaker cases than Tez Walker uh, have waivers to play this year. It totally undercut itself. It, it said, well, we're taking a hard line on waivers, and then didn't. Uh, <laughs> it's just a, a, a classic failure of, of leadership at the NCAA. And I honestly, I, I think Charlie Baker is a really smart guy. Mm. Um, I thought he would be able to fix some, if not all, of what's wrong with the NCAA. I'm extremely disappointed in the way he let the situation be handled. He should have stepped in long ago rather than just putting his name on a press release blasting UNC for basically for being impertinent. I mean, the, the, that whole press release was basically UNC should know its place. And that was the whole point of everything they did with Tez Walker. Know your place. Here's the NCAA's bigger problem, um, and I, I promise this is going to ultimately be uh, be a big deal for them, is that w- when they allowed first-time transfers to transfer without penalty, you don't have to sit out a year, they opened the door for, explain to me why, again, second-time transfers have to sit out? Why are we punishing the second-time transfer? and not the first-time transfer, uh, and the the answer will be, oh, wait a second, because that is the legal challenge. That is the legal challenge that's going to take this whole thing to the point where, well, I mean, they're going to be declared employees anyway uh, in who knows how many jurisdictions uh, coming up within a couple of years, but that's going to take the NCAA down. All right, uh, I'm not, are are you coming tonight to tonight's hockey game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss a preseason hockey game. <laughs> the final really friendly like, against like Nashville's uniforms. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on, or they just give you their money and let it work for them? 
about 90%, give the money, and then we meet every year to, and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to go. I want to see this most. I, I guess you'd say it's a full team. I, mean, it is. I still think Lemieux, Lemieux is going to be a part of the opening night lineup before all is said and done. But, um, you know, I don't think it's in Rod Brindamore's DNA to play 7D unless he's, you know, in some sort of salary cap crisis or COVID injury crunch and Sebastian Ajo is trapped at the border in Vancouver. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, 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 I am curious to see. Because I think, you know, after last night's came out, I mean, that was basically the AHL team the Hurricanes don't have with right. Ranta. Um, I'm curious to see whether they can keep their foot on the gas they, the way they have in some of these other preseason games. I know we say that preseason doesn't matter, and it doesn't. But when you look at the history of the Hurricanes, their good teams have been really good in the preseason. Um, that's been true the last couple of years. It was obviously true in, in 06 and, and 09, and, and it's just, uh, actually, I shouldn't say 09. I, I honestly don't remember if they're any good in the preseason 09. But um, I want to see them continue to do that because I think it will be a good sign. To play the way that they have to play to be successful, you can't just flip the switch on opening night. You've got to bring that into the season with you. I think they have so far. Um, you know, uh, it's always curious to see, you know, where Tavo Taravainen is in his yep. process. <laughs> uh, but, but he's also proven that uh, his own pace tends to get in there at the end. Um, and we haven't really seen anyone do the old Ray Whitney, pull a groin, play in the last preseason game trick. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel like that, that everybody's really kind of pulling on the same rope here. Nothing against Ray Whitney. It's a veteran move. I yeah. salute it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it just feels like I, I want to see that continue. Tonight. Uh, here's my guess. At best, Andrei Svechnikov is 50-50 to play in the opener. At best. I mean, he's yeah. he's still wearing a yellow jersey in practice. He's not gonna. He's not in the lineup tonight. Uh, tonight and Wednesday are only five days away. Not a ton is going to change. I think there's really only one practice day between tonight and Wednesday. I believe uh, it's either Sunday or Monday. I don't I think they're they're off tomorrow. I think they're doing off ice stuff. They're doing off ice yeah. stuff Monday. So I think there's only one real practice day. So I don't know how they can make a determination. And I would not be shocked if Felix Unger-Sorum was in the opening night lineup. They got a, they got a free hit for, what, eight games, right? nine games? Yeah. Before they have to ship him up back to uh, the junior team in, in Sweden. He's been impressive. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I know that's how it works with Canadian junior players. I don't know uh, what what the, the rules are for European players. Um, they may be the same. They may be different. I, right. I don't know You could that, be right. To be honest. I, haven't had, I have not had that conversation with with Tom Dunn or John Waddell. So I, I, I have to admit I don't know the, the specifics of Felix Unger's arm specific case. However, if it is the same as Canadian junior players, which it may very well be, uh, absolutely. Uh, let the kid play in an, an NHL game or two or – just hang out with the team for a couple of weeks, get to soak it in a little bit, and take that back to his team with the confidence boost of knowing you played well enough to, to be the 25th, 26th guy, however you want to look at it. Um, he's obviously a very promising player. He's a very young player, um, I, uh, you know, uh, based on his, his date of birth and his birth year and all that. Um, there's no reason to rush this kid. No. Um, so, so just, yeah, I mean, do the smart thing. I mean, honestly, I would say the same thing about Svetch. Uh, this this team's season 
uh, as long as they don't open the season 0-12-2, this team's season doesn't really start until April. So let Andrei Svechnikov take all the time Mm -hmm. he needs to get back to 100% um, and and be at full strength because he's going to try to come back early. That's in his nature. He's going to come back as soon as he feels ready. Be smart. Be patient. If it takes a little longer, that's fine. Um, you know, just just handle it well because you, you you don't need him in October. You know, you need him in May. That's true of everybody on this team. Game one through seven, not nearly as important as game eighty three through one hundred and seven. That's the way I look at it. I think you do as well, Luke. I will see you tonight. Sounds good. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? The Jim Allen Group is a nationally recognized and award-winning real estate team in the Triangle, dedicated to providing exceptional service to meet your needs. With the latest insights and expert market knowledge, they'll make your home buying and selling journey as smooth as possible. Don't wait. Head over to JimAllen.com and start your next move today. That's JimAllen.com. The Jim Allen Group, your partner in real estate. 